You are listening to the Phenom NFL Show on the Phenom Media Podcast Network, powered by the most passionate young sports analysts in the game. If you're looking for creative, informative, and high-quality sports content, you've come to the right place. Phenom Media boasts a team of over 100 youth contributors from around the world, covering every sport on every media platform. Make sure to follow Phenom on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as all of the Phenom podcast channels for daily content. The link tree in the episode description includes a direct link to all of the aforementioned platforms, so click on that to access everything. If you enjoy the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a positive review so more people can discover the podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome back to the Phenom NFL Show. My name is David Perez with Faranji, as always here on Fridays. Uh, How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm also doing well, you know. We're going to be talking about underrated free agents. We, in the past two weeks, have gone over our top defensive free agents and predictions and our top offensive free agents and predictions. And now we're going to be going to the underrated guys, you know, the guys that don't get as much light as they deserve. So who do you want to start with? Um, I'll start with uh, quarterback Jameis Winston, formerly of the New Orleans Saints. So after his 30-for-30 30 30 season in 2019 where he threw – 30 interceptions, and 30 touchdowns. Winston was one of those polarizing guys that teams kind of shied away from because they didn't want someone giving away the ball so much. But if a team can get Jameis Winston right, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, albeit that's a very hard thing to do. So some of the landing spots that I have listed for him are possibly the Bears, Colts, Washington football team, and Pittsburgh. Just because those guys are, those teams are lacking quarterbacks right now, and getting a high ceiling guy like Winston could elevate their, all those teams of solid rosters into championship level teams if he can cut down on the turnovers. And I think he's going to need to go to a spot where they have good offensive coaching because that's really going to elevate his ceiling or elevate his floor and help him get closer to that ceiling. So uh, I actually have him going to the Chicago Bears. Well, to work with Matt Nagy. Yeah, that's an interesting one who I almost had, but who I'm looking at is a player who, in my opinion, won't get as much attention. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, he is still a pretty capable, although inconsistent, capable quarterback who provides leadership. I mean, you saw Miami probably regressed to a tag of Iloa. He has a surprising amount of arm talent considering, you know, the fact that he's, what, 38 now? And 38 brings the veteran aspect to mentor a young quarterback. You know, if you draft a QB or are interested in doing so, I think that getting Fitzpatrick along would help. I know they just did it with Tua and it didn't work, but, I mean, it's hard to say that Tua's lack of arm strength is Fitzpatrick's fault. And, you know, I actually have him going to an interesting landing spot, the Houston Texans, if, you know, if this – this whole Watson thing actually results in him being traded. I think that this is the sort of guy that, you know, coach David Holy. I don't, I don't, 
I don't know what his I forget the name because he's just such a bland and kind of bad hire, but you know David Cully. David Cully, yeah. So basically that I think that they're gonna go after a guy who can bring some electricity to, to the team, can bring some firepower, because let's be honest, Fitzpatrick does that and you know they can bring along a young guy with him, but having a player who has the ability to win football games is pretty important. And I know it might not be in Houston's best interest to win, but Houston's done a lot of wrong in their past. So I think that Fitzpatrick will end up going to Houston for an opportunity to be the favorite starter in week one. Uh, Maybe. I mean, that depends on them trading Watson and they've stated that they're not going to do it. So yeah, but it, I don't it think comes Watson down to whether Watson is actually going to sit out games to force his way out of Houston. Yeah, that's true. All right, moving on to the running back position, I'm going to go with another Miami Dolphin who didn't play a lot, Matt Breida. Matt Breida is a pretty capable player. He was showed some flashes in the San Francisco scheme, and I know there isn't like – any proof of him doing well outside of that scheme, but it's gotten to the point where legitimately some sort of Shanahan disciple wide zone is like a third of the league. So that that's pretty important. And I think that Matt Breida has the speed, has the elusiveness, has the agility to be able to be a functional running back in the NFL, which was not what he was treated as in Miami. So you look at teams like the Jets, Chargers, Falcons, who all need running backs, and two of those run sort of Shanahan-like schemes. Arthur Smith's is a little different, but you look at those teams who are all in need of either a running back or some sort of depth at that position, and, you know, Matt Breida would be a guy. You aren't going to have to pay really anything for, like, most definitely an NFL cow running back. But my actual prediction is the Las Vegas Raiders who are in desperate need of a speed element because let's be honest, although John Gruden loves his speed, that's not what Josh Jacobs brings to the table. That's not what Devonte Booker brings to the table. It's what some of the other guys like Deandre Washington and Theo Riddick and Lynn Bowden brought, but they're all gone. And I think that they're going to go after Brita because Gruden loves the speed so much. I mean, he loves speed enough to take the worst Alabama receiver out of the 2020 NFL draft. And I will stand by that because it was a popular take and it was right. So I think that he's going to desire to add the speed element to this offense that they've gotten cooked by, but also not had themselves and be able to bring a home. Although Jacobs can be a home home run hitter, like a true home run hitter to Vegas. Yeah, I think the landing spot of Matt Breida to Vegas is a pretty good spot. Uh, He would complement Josh Jacobs pretty well. So my running back that I had is Mark Ingram, who the Baltimore Ravens recently said that they're not going to be bringing back. And Ingram is, he's been in the league for a long time and In most teams he's been on, he's been that solid number two option. He took over with the Ravens, and then we saw at the end of the year, he was kind of taking the backseat to J.K. Dobbins. He's not a guy that I would want to be the main running back of the team, but if he's splitting touches with someone, I think that he can be a pretty useful back in the fact that he can come in, bring a spark to the offense, 
have a couple of runs, wear down the defense a little bit, and then come out of the game for more of a faster guy. And my landing spot for him is the Jets. And this is kind of banking on them also maybe drafting a running back or signing someone else like a Matt Breida, who Robert Sala could just take from, uh, who Robert Sala worked, not directly, but was he was over Breida. And I think that, yeah, I think the Jets are going to get Mark Ingram. Yeah, so that's a pretty good landing spot. I think that, you know, definitely a team that would desire some leadership aspect, a young team with a lot of holes to get a pretty low ceiling player, albeit. I mean, we saw Dobbins vastly outperform Mark Ingram there, but that doesn't mean he's not a good player in his own right. So I'm going to move on to receiver. Do you want to begin with that? Yeah, so my receiver was Curtis Samuel, uh, formerly of the Carolina Panthers. And Samuel, coming out of college, was he, it wasn't certain if Samuel was going to be a gadget guy or just a straight-up wide receiver or if he was going to be used as a running back and a wide receiver. But Samuel is a really fast player, and he can be used in a variety of ways. And the Panthers didn't really use him that way. They had DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson both filling pretty similar roles, which is why he didn't get as used as much as I'm sure that he didn't get used as much as he wanted to. And I think the San Francisco 49ers are the perfect landing spot for him. As much as I hate it as a Seahawks fan, the 49ers like the like players who can get yards after catch, create easy throws for their quarterback. And Curtis Samuel is a type of guy who can get open and get a lot of yards after catch. And because of all the speed and the speed and agility that he has, Samuel is really a perfect fit for the 49ers system. Yeah, the the Niners getting a second gadget gadgety guy who doesn't get the ball far past the line of scrimmage with the last name Samuel would be very confusing to every viewer out there. But I mean, if you think about it, although I agree with most of what you said, I just think that if this were last offseason, San Fran would pounce on Curtis Samuel. But this offseason, when you have two proven receivers who can do what they want, and you have, you know, all of this craziness with the cap and potentially getting Stafford, oh my, I would be so upset if they got Matthew Stafford and, or like even Watson, you know, they're not going to be able to pay people. They're not going to. I don't think they're going to be able to make external signings at positions that they're already fine with. Like I know Kendrick Bourne's leaving, but Bourne is definitely infinitely cheaper than Curtis Samuel. So although I like the fit in San Fran, I just don't think that San Fran can really afford to do that. So I'm going to go to my pick far more under the radar. doesn't even really start Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole is a depth wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he's shown nothing but productive play when on the Jags, he has been a pretty good player. He joined the team. I believe when they made their AFC championship run as a rookie played all four years there, and he's been quietly good for them. He, for some reason has gotten a limited role throughout his entire, you know, career there, but he's shown the ability to run routes. He's, great at the catch point he has stayed somewhat durable and he even can flash a punt return his first career punt return he scored so I mean this is a super capable player and you know I look at 
all of the possible landing spots. And I'm actually going to have him going to my Indianapolis Colts, who sort of need a bit of depth. And if they are going to lose draft picks in order to trade for a quarterback, they're going to need to sign a wide receiver instead of draft one because although they need Hilton back, he might not even be back. So in that case, I'd expect them to go bigger up, but I don't see the Colts investing highly in the receiver position externally, but I see them going after a pretty underrated guy who they have a lot of familiarity with in Keelan Cole. All right, so next we can move to the tight end position, and my tight end was Jordan Reed, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers, and since he was in Washington, uh, I believe he was there most recently two years ago or three years ago, and he was a pretty good player. But the knock on Reed was that he could just never stay healthy. He couldn't finish a full season. He had one year, I believe, in the 2016 season in which he played the entire year. And he played great. He had, uh, I think, a 1,000-yard season. He was really good that year. And since then, he hasn't been able to finish a full season. And even last year with the 49ers, who took a chance on him as their second receiver, uh, second tight end behind George Kittle, he couldn't stay healthy again. And there was a point in time where Kittle and Reed were both hurt, which kind of defeated the purpose of signing Jordan Reed. And this year in free agency, I don't think that the 49ers are going to come out and re-sign him just because they've already they already took a flyer on Reed and it didn't quite work out the way they wanted. So I, I don't think that they're going to want to take another one on him. So uh, I'm going to the Arizona Cardinals, uh, who have also had their own tight end problems. For a while now they haven't had a good tight end in a really long time and Jordan Reed is a cheap option he's an athletic guy that could help Kyler Murray a lot and I think the Cardinals are the best fit for Murray I think that Arizona is also a great fit for my next guy Jacob Hollister that is actually going to be my prediction for where he goes and I'll go into why Jacob Hollister is an underrated tight end he plays for Seattle and He has only really started like half of a season, half of the 2019 season with Will Disley out. But in that half, you know, he was pretty good. He, I believe, was the fantasy tight end one for like a five-game stretch, which is kind of absurd. He was a very reliable target for Russell Wilson, particularly in, I remember Seattle played, I think, San Francisco. He had a great game there, I think. He's a capable blocker, he's a capable receiver, and he's overall just a really, really solid player who I think more people should have their eyes on. And, you know, Arizona is the kind of guy, the kind of team that really just needs one tight end to roll with and a guy that can block if they don't want to go empty, a guy then that can routes if they do want to go empty. I think that, that that's pretty important to what Cliff Kingsbury wants to do and a guy that they'll be able to sign on a budget because let's be honest, Arizona won't invest a high level into the tight end position. So they're just going to want to get one guy. Although he probably isn't much more than a low-end starter, I mean, you're going to be getting him for backup money anyways. So that's a win in my book. All right, so our next position is offensive line. So you could start off with James Hurst. Yeah, James Hurst is really solid player. He was good in Baltimore back up, up until the 2020 season where he went to the Saints and he was good there. There's a lot of background noise. He was pretty, pretty good on the New Orleans Saints as well. He filled in for the 
injured Ryan Ramchick. I believe he missed some time, or it was Taron Armstead. I don't know, but he played pretty well no matter who was there. And a Saints O-line that wasn't really five guys healthy the whole time, he did a pretty good job of replacing people. He was a good swing tackle in Baltimore. Surprised he didn't get an opportunity to compete for a starting job in, you know, the 2020 season, but I think he will again. I think that he'll definitely be given the chance to compete and maybe even win the spot outright for the Carolina Panthers, in my opinion. The Panthers, more likely than not, Russell Okung will be gone and with some needs on the defense, you know, such as linebacker corner. I think that offensive tackle may be pushed to around round three. So I think that getting James Hurst, who is a solid swing tackle, very capable of protecting for, you know, whoever they have as QB there is going to be good for maybe even mentoring also a round three player who they're going to need to bring in. So that's sort of the role I envision James Hurst succeeding in, you know, as a guy who can start, but you can always get better. But I mean, the Saints prove that you can just get him for nothing anyways. And to get that kind of player for nothing, that's that's good. Yeah, James Hurst is a pretty underrated guy. My next guy is more high profile than James Hurst. But uh, I think he's been thrown by the wayside lately because people have really forgotten how good he is. And that is Alex Mack of the Atlanta Falcons. He's a really good player, but people have kind of stopped caring about Mack because he's been in and out of the Falcons lineup the last year. And there were trade rumors about him earlier in the season and no one really seemed to care. And he ended up staying with the Falcons. And the really the main reason he didn't get traded was not because he wasn't good, but because he had such a big salary that it was pretty hard to move Mac, but he's been playing at a phenomenal level for the Falcons these past few years. And now with the reduced cap, uh, I think the only teams that are really going to sign him are teams that have a lot of cap space and are contending now because he's an older guy and uh, the Falcons are neither a good team or a team that's above the cap or that has a lot of cap. So I, I don't believe he's going to re-sign with the Falcons. And the team that I think will pick him up and sign him is the New York Jets. They have some of the most cap space in the league and they obviously don't want their next quarterback, whether that be Watson or Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, they don't want him to be under constant duress, especially from the interior defensive line, which really seems to rattle young quarterbacks. So I think they might just sign Alex Mack to shore that need up. Yeah, Mack is most definitely a great leader and a great mentor for any team that decides to bring him on for probably not a long time. But, I mean, that's still valuable. I said it with Fitzpatrick. So now I'm going to move on to my other guy, Quinton Spain. He has played on Tennessee and Buffalo before going to the Bengals earlier on this year. And we saw what happened, you know. The Cincinnati Bengals offensive line got better with him. They, I believe, some point just after Joe Burrow's injury, pulled Michael Jordan, the guard from Ohio State, who basically got him injured. And, you know, Quentin Spain took his place and played a lot better. He is sort of a beast in the run game, was one of Buffalo's top offensive linemen in 2019. And for some reason, he got cut, which makes no sense to me. But then he goes to Cincinnati and shows that he's capable there for an offensive line that although it was still probably the worst in the NFL, may have shown some a little bit of flashes throughout there because Spain was great as a run blocker, surprisingly proficient as a pass blocker. And I think 
that a team, you know, I'm looking right at the Seattle Seahawks actually, who sort of like run blocking guys. And although they just hired the passing game coordinator of the Rams, I think that Pete Carroll did this and, and John Schneider did this with the envisionment that it wouldn't fully become a wide zone scheme. And I think that they're going to yet again, go after this kind of guy, because let's face it, Mike Ayupati's old and, you know, getting a guy who can play alongside Damian Lewis is important. So I think that they're going to go after him for probably not that much. He might not even have a guaranteed starting spot, but in my opinion, he should. Yeah. Quinn Spain's a really underrated guy. And I, I was really confused when he got cut from the bills. So my next player is Kalichi Osamele, uh, formerly of the Kansas City Chiefs. And he was honestly playing pretty well this season after the Chiefs took a flyer on him. Uh, and he got injured, which really sucked. And he's not part of the Chiefs playoff run, unfortunately. Uh, I think it was a pretty bad injury. I forget exactly what it was. But I know it ended his season pretty early in the year. And he's still a great player. And some team is going to take a flyer on him again because he showed that he still has juice left in the tank and that he's still going to keep going. And my fit for him is the Chicago Bears just because of their need and the interior offensive line. And they're really just a quarterback and offensive line away from contending. And if they get that offensive line shored up and they get the quarterback issue fixed, they're one of the best teams in the league. And I think Kalechi Osamele could really help with the offensive line aspect. I think that Osamele is a very underrated player who was playing actually really well in Kansas City. I don't think he really stated enough. He was he was having an amazing, amazing season before getting injured, I believe, in their one loss with Mahomes to the Raiders. So now we're gonna move to the defensive side of the ball. I'm gonna go do Dalvin Tomlinson who not a lot of people know about, but he is actually a very quality interior guy, probably more of a nose or like a 4-3 tackle for the New York Giants. I think the most he might be able to flex out on is the three-tech, but he, for playing that, is surprisingly able to rush the passer and obviously an amazing run defender. But, I mean, DJ Reader just got like $52 million for the Cincinnati Bengals. And although I like Reader, I don't see Tomlinson as too different of a player, a guy who's able to play the nose and still, you know, be an impact in the, you know, pass rush. He isn't the most sat guy, but he is most definitely able to push the pocket. The kind of guy that Dave Gettleman is going to want to end up bringing back and I think that's what they do. I think that Dave Gettleman ends up bringing this guy back because he just loves his interior defensive line too much. I mean, you've seen he has invested really so much into this other than Tomlinson. And I think that he's going to want to sign Tomlinson for, I don't know if it'll be like for four years, but I think it'll be for three until Dexter Lawrence's rookie contract is up because, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson is an amazing player. And I know Gettleman recognizes that apparently the team I almost sent him to Green Bay called in, but Gettleman said no, because he likes this interior defensive line too much. So I think that he's a really underrated player who can be not only like just a good starter, but an above average to like great starter. So I think that this is a guy who will go back to the Giants and will keep being productive for them, although not getting much attention. 
Yeah, Tomlinson's a really underrated guy. My guy is also, uh, again, another high-profile guy who may not be as underrated, even though he's better than a lot of people think. Uh, and that's Dominican Sue of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he's really a big piece of that Bucks defensive line. Without Sue, I, I don't think they get as much push from the interior. And as we saw last year, he made uh, Vita Vea look a lot better than he is. And this year, uh, after Vita Vea went down, I think Steve McClendon was it. Uh, Sue made him look better. Sue really elevates the guys around him. And my landing spot for him is going to be right back in Tampa Bay. Uh, no matter whether they win the Super Bowl or not, I think they realize the amount of value that Sue has. And they have the cap space to bring back their own guys and run it back even if they don't win this year. So I definitely think that they're not going to let Sue go by, especially because of how well he's played for them and how well he makes the other people around him play better. Yeah, so that is a pretty interesting pretty interesting take that he'll go back to Tampa. And although I may or may not agree, and I know that he's a good player, I just think that Tampa has a bit too many players to re-sign because – you can look at guys like Levante David, like a Shaquille Barrett, like a Chris Godwin, and although they have cap space, they're not swimming in it. So I think that he might be let go to a team like Miami because I mean, just there's nothing really else for there's nothing really else for Tampa to do. And if you're gonna lose one guy out of those four, I would pick Sue. So although I believe he's underrated, I don't know if he'll go back. So now we move on to the edge position. I'm going to start with Bengals edge rusher Carl Lawson, who, although injury-prone, has shown some crazy flashes. If anybody watched the Monday night football game where the Bengals upset the Steelers, I mean, you could see this guy. Just every single play, Ben had to like step right because Alejandro Villanueva, a good tackle, would get beat by Lawson, who was actually on the field for once, and he played all of the snaps, and man, did he have a really good game. Picked in like round two or round three in 2017, he has played all four years of the rookie contract, and he's had a great, actually, I don't think it was two or three. I think it was like four or five. He has had a great four years, been super productive, when healthy. He just never shows up on the leaderboards because he is never healthy. But if a team other than the Bengals can get his health straight and be able to maximize his potential as many games as possible, I think that that would be super underrated. He is most definitely not even just a starter, but a good one. And, you know, I look at the Jacksonville Jaguars here and say, you know, I would go after him. Although I think he's going to go back to the Cincinnati Bengals through a little bit of a curveball there, but I think he will go back to Cincinnati just because I. I don't know what their defensive line will be without him. It'll just be really a big mess. So I think that in general, Lawson will go back to Cincinnati. But I think that teams like the Jags or other teams that need four three rushers will kick the tires because he's most definitely worth it. Yeah, so my edge guy was Ryan Kerrigan, uh, formerly of the Washington football team. So he's been on the Washington football team for pretty much his entire career, although he has indicated that he does not want to go back to the Washington football team, which is kind of interesting because you really seem like a guy who's going to stick with them his whole career and just be 
a Washington lifer. And now that's not going to be the case. So my landing spot for him is actually the Arizona Cardinals, who can really afford to pay some guys this offseason. They don't have too many guys that they need to re-sign as long as they let like Kenyon Drake walk, which I'm sure they will. And they have a need at edge. They haven't had a good one in a while, uh, like opposite of Chandler Jones. It's really been Jones carrying the load and everyone else pitching in a little bit but not doing enough. And I think Kerrigan would help that out a lot. Yeah, I think that Kerrigan would definitely be of big use to really any team that gets him. He sort of got replaced by Montez Sweat and Chase Young there, but he was a super productive pass rusher in his prime. And although he's past that prime, it still provides some, you know, some valuable lessons and also just be a really, really good player for a team that does need a second edge presence and seem to get it the one year that Chandler Jones was gone. So now I'm going to move on to linebacker. Do you want to start off with really underrated guy who I like as well? Okay. Oh, wait, who, who are we doing now? We're doing linebackers. Do you want to begin with linebacker? Oh yeah, sure. So I'll go with uh, Jayon Brown uh, of the Tennessee Titans. He's been a guy who's really been swept under the rug his entire career. Since the day he was, uh, I believe he went undrafted. He, at the end of the season, he's one of the guys who year in and year out, he's one of the guys who gets the largest bonus check because he met some like requirement or he met a certain amount of sacks or tackles or whatever to give him a big bonus. And that's because his starting salary all these years has been so low because he was undrafted. And I think now it's time for Jayon Brown to get paid. Uh, people are starting to take notice of how good this guy is. And we saw that he didn't play the entire year this year. And without him, the defense for the Tennessee Titans really didn't look as good as they did with him. And he's going to get paid this offseason. And I think it's going to be by the Titans. They are under the cap as of now but they can certainly clear up some cap space to bring him back. Uh, I feel like he's such a big part of that defense. And Mike Rabel, a former linebacker, he knows how big of an impact Jayon Brown has. And he's going to be talking to these front office guys. He's really going to want uh, Jayon Brown back on the team, which is why I think they do end up re-signing him. I think that Jayon Brown is a super underrated player and really deserves more credit than he gets and I think that that's interesting, although I wouldn't rule out a team like the Green Bay Packers because as of, I believe, very recently, got a notification, Mike Pettin's out. Mike Pettin, a guy who preached playing dime the whole game and not caring about investing in the linebacker position, he is gone. So I could definitely look at a team like Green Bay who really does need linebacker help, but it's overshadowed by the fact that Pettin never used them anyways. But I think that would be that would be another fit. So I'm going to go to a slightly lesser-known player who didn't even have a full-time role in Cincinnati's Jor- Jordan Evans. He, you know, sort of came in for guys like Logan Wilson who didn't play the whole season. And, you know, they had their Josh Bineses who – could only really stop the run. They had their team Davis Gathers who really only came in on third down, but Evans was capable of doing everything. He is kind of all over the field, a really, really solid starting linebacker who had a great year. And I look at 
you know, he's not going to really get that much money, which is obviously great if you're a team like the Philadelphia Eagles who aren't going to be able to sign guys far above the minimum, but at the same time need just anybody there because, you know, they have Jonathan Gannon who likes those sort of players. He liked it with Bobby Okereke. And I know like he wasn't, he was the cornerbacks coach, but at the same time, Bobby Okereke has the coverage skills nearly of like a box strong safety. He is a great player. And I think that Jonathan Gannon will be able to maximize the abilities of Jordan Evans. And I think that, you know, a budget signing, I think it'll pay off eventually. Yeah, Troy Hill is a pretty underrated player for the Rams. And my guy, again, is not I, as I just under- Jordan Evans. <laughs> oh, sorry, my bad. Yeah, I do you want me to I'm... go to Troy Hill now, though? <laughs> yeah, you can go to Troy yeah, Hill. Yeah, Troy Hill is a great player for the Rams. He just had an amazing season with four defensive touchdowns. I believe PFF had him like as one of their top 10 corners. Take that as you will, but, I mean, it's still a tool that's out there. So he's a... He's a great player overall. He has sort of been in a hybrid starting spot, but under Brandon Staley, he very clearly learned a lot and was able to maximize his capabilities. And I mean, I think that's pretty important. So the team I have going after him is actually the LA Rams bringing him back because although they don't have too much money, I think that, I mean, you look at what they have and say, we have to bring this guy back because although he just had a career season, he wasn't even too bad before that. He played some 2018, played some 2019, and he wasn't, he wasn't like a big liability for them or anything. And I think that, you know, actually having an alpha corner next to him, like Jalen Ramsey, really benefited him. And overall, it's a big factor as to why he'll be a great player with the Rams in the future. I mean, he is the third corner on that team behind Darius Williams and Jalen Ramsey. And the Rams definitely do have their own cap problems. So I don't know if they're really going to go out of their way to bring Troy Hill back. I think he might go to another team like the Packers or Panthers. But my player is Xavier Rhodes, who after having a down year in which he still somehow made the Pro Bowl with the Vikings in 2019, which is beyond me, uh, he signed a cheap deal with the Indianapolis Colts. And playing in Matt Eberfuss's defense again, or not again, but playing in Matt Eberfuss's defense, he really became rejuvenated, and he played a lot better than he had. He looked like the guy that we saw in 2016, 2017, who was one of the best corners in the game. Rhodes closed, just locked down the other team's best player. And he returned to that form, and I think now he's going to want to get paid. He's going to cash out. And I think any team that pays him might overpay him a little bit if they put too much stock into that one season. And I think the team that is going to pay him is going to end up being the Colts because they, again, they have cap space, 64.8 million as of right now before cuts and all that, which is second most in the league. And he was such a good player for them. And normally when we see teams take a flyer on a guy and he works out, they're overjoyed with that player's performance and they're going to want to bring him back. I agree. Uh, As a Colts fan who watched basically every snap of them, Xavier Rhodes was phenomenal. He did a great job. And I think you may be overstating how much he gets paid a little. He is a 29 year old who is coming off a good year before two slightly worse years. And I think that 
I don't know how much he'll get paid. I don't think it'll be, I don't even think it'll be as much as Troy Hill, who's younger. And although Xavier Rhodes is better, I think that he might go for a little cheaper than most people expect because, you know, older guys on the market really don't get that much money. So finally, we're going to move to the safety position and I'm going to go first with another Ram because I haven't duplicated teams enough today. Um, John Johnson. John Johnson, the defensive play caller on the Los Angeles Rams, who did a really good job. Brandon Staley consistently praising him, and he was great as, although he played the box safety role, he doesn't really have to. He is a really, really solid, productive player for the Rams who have their own set of cap issues, who I think will actually leave due to Taylor Rapp coming back from injury and being able to step in in that role. So I think that he's had, what, three or four productive seasons in a row now, not even just 2020. I mean, he was great back with Lamarcus Joyner in their Super Bowl year. So I think that he'll go to a team like, I don't know, Dallas or something. I think he'll go to Dallas because, you know, the ability to play the box safety role is something that Dallas needs. You know, Xavier Woods and Jeff Heath weren't good at that. So I think that getting a guy who is capable of playing that position at a high level is going to be important for the Cowboys. Yeah, John Johnson is a really underrated player with the Rams. He never really got the recognition he deserved. And as a Seahawks fan, Quandre Digg got into the Pro Bowl as one of the safeties for the NFC. And honestly, I don't think it should have been uh, Quandre Digg. I think John Johnson had a better year. And about you saying him being a box safety, I think he's probably better as a free safety than a box safety. Although I still like the fit with the Cowboys because they don't really have a great free safety either. But my safety is... Keanu Neal who is a box safety and he's really he had one good year uh, which I believe was 2017 but unfortunately he has not been able to stay healthy he's had uh, multiple ACL tears he had a year where he just had concussions in and out of the year and he couldn't stay healthy but this year in the 2020 season he he was able to stay healthy and he didn't look as good as he did in 2017 where he was just flying around the field and hitting guys look like the second coming of cam chancellor, but he did play a lot better than he did earlier. And I think that was, that was big for the team because the Falcons defense really was not that great this year. And Keanu Neal made it a little bit better. Although with them being 35 million, 36 million on uh, over the cap right now, they're not in a great position to re-sign him. So I think what's going to end up happening is that they're going to get outbid by a team that does have a need at box safety, and that team is the Miami Dolphins. They have $24 million in cap space. Uh, there's certainly a chance that it goes down if they trade for a guy like Watson or Matt Stafford, but the they have the need at box safety. Really, if you look at their defense, that's the position where they could get a real playmaker. They got two outside corners, so the coverage ability isn't going to matter as much on their safeties which means they could get a hard-hitting safety. And I don't think Eric Rowe is the answer. He hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been good either. And I think Keanu Neal would be a great signing for the Dolphins. I agree. Neal is great. And if he can get back to even a fraction of what he was before, it'll be most definitely worth it for whatever team gets him. So that'll be it. We each had one of each position. 
Just to recap it, at the quarterbacks, Fitzpatrick and Winston, running backs, Brita and Mark Ingram, receivers, Keelan Cole and Curtis Samuel, tight ends, Jacob Hollister and Jordan Reed, offensive linemen, James Hurst, Alex Mack, Quinton Spain, and Kaliji Osemele, defensive tackles, Dalvin Tomlinson and Indomitian Sue, outside edge rushers, Carl Lawson and Ryan Kerrigan, linebackers, Jordan Evans and Jayon Brown, Corners, Troy Hill and Xavier Rhodes, and safeties, John Johnson and Keanu Neal. That'll be it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. Do you have anything else to say? Uh, no, I think that'll be it. Uh, yeah, so that was, I think we had a good time finally finishing up our three-week focus on free agents every Friday. So if you're interested in seeing more, make sure to check out the podcast description, we have a link tree that leads you to every single one of our social media platforms. And with that said, we're out. Goodbye.